You are listening to the Red Roots Podcast. Good morning, good morning. Hey. Good morning. I forgot to clear my throat before I stopped. So <clears throat> there we go. I'm back. That sounds worse. How'd that happen? Everybody good? Yeah. Yep. I'm good. Good and healthy and Yes. They can't see you shaking your heads. Yeah. Yes. Both, <laughs> both of them are shaking their heads, yes. For those of you, all of you who can't see. Uh was your day to go out yesterday? How was that? Fine. Just good talk. <laughs> got what I needed and came back. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what you, that's, that's, what all, that's the only option, yeah. A lot of people out, not a lot of people out. Not that many people out, no. Yeah. No. More military and things, more checks going on and whatnot. My day is tomorrow. Um, last week when I went out, it was it was just absurd the amount of people that were out. Um, what it is though is in our in our department. Of, it's called which is called Benny. There have been no registered cases or confirmed cases, I guess you can say. And so people, you know, have gotten more and more bold and a little bit um, arrogant, even you can say about going out. And the police control went down, down, down more in the mornings and. In the afternoons, it's been pretty vigilant uh, consistently. But in the mornings, like way more motorcycles, cars. I mean, me and Rudy walked to the store, and it was uh, it was a normal day. It was mm-hmm. like a, it was like walking on a normal day. It was crazy. And so, you know, Wednesday when we were out, I thought to myself, we made a few comments between the two of us. But I thought to myself, like, this is not good. This is you know, and regardless of what you believe or what the YouTube video that you're watching says, from you know intimetheories.net like it's it's a virus like and this that's a virus is spread that it's it's contagious and regardless of all your conspiracy theories we live in bolivia so you can't blame nancy pelosi for it whatever and that's none of that is relevant at all here it's a virus and it spreads and so you know seeing all those people out like you like you know that this is going to be an issue and sure enough last night they confirmed the first two cases here and actually here in trinidad and so People have just like, just a, what is the word? A terror mm-hmm. has just taken over people. But it's first, it's like all you had to, all you had to do is listen, stay in your house. Mm-hmm. That's all you had to do, you know. And and the what complicates it is the two cases that the people haven't left Trinidad, so they don't. So it's it's been here, right? And they've been in contact with somebody who had it. And so it's two. They they've had like a lot of suspected cases over the you know the duration of this thing, and all of them have come back negative. And it's people with colds and so you know, just being honestly responsible, just being sure that they don't have it. You know, you cough once or whatever, and you know people are kind of worried and on on edge anyway. So they'll go and get checked, and it's all they've all come back negative. Till yesterday, they came back positive. One lady was um, thirty seven weeks pregnant, or she is thirty seven weeks pregnant, and uh. She went to the hospital because she, I think she thought she was in labor. That's all they said is they thought she thought she was in labor. So I'm imagining she was having trouble breathing. And so she went and they tested her and she came back positive. And there was another man who is a taxi driver. Um, he's in his 60s. He went uh, basically and they said he was he, he was struggling to breathe when he got to the hospital. And he, I mean, he died within two hours of getting a diagnosis. Um, so we have two cases and one death, two confirmed cases and one death. Also, um, there's a lot of concern because he was a taxi driver. And even though we're in quarantine and taxi drivers aren't supposed to be working, he was working anyways. And so how many people, 
you know, have gotten on this taxi and without mm-hmm. washed hands and he didn't wash his hands and, you know, or whatever, or, yeah, just anything, breathing in the air and gets on your face. What, like, the, what's it called when it comes out of your, your mouth, like when you breathe and the humidity or whatever, condensation. Like, you know, there's just a lot of, and then his his taxi stop, like where the taxi drivers wait sometimes when there's not a lot of work, they'll wait with their people from their company. And there's a place called Pompeya here. And Pompeya is like the market. Like, uh, it's where, I mean, we don't buy from there, but I mean, it's not that we resist. We just, it's just inconvenient, I guess, for us to go there and stuff. But so we just go to the grocery store. But in this market, it's a little bit, some stuff is a little bit cheaper. So most people buy their stuff there. And so it's always packed. There's always a ton of people. And that's where his stop was. So there's, there's just terror in people. And they wrote up a newspaper article, uh, I guess this morning one of the bigger newspapers here in the country. And we're just saying that they're expecting an explosion of cases here in, Tr- in Trinidad because of, uh, because of the unknown origins, yes, but also just be- because people haven't been, honestly, like obeying the quarantine. So yeah. they've been mixing in until you go from zero confirmed cases to we'll see in the next couple of days how many it's going to be. Hopefully, by God's grace, it stays low. I mean, it's not like God's grace it's, God's not graceful, even if the numbers right. explode. But I don't mean it like that. But no, I remember last. I think it was last week. Sometime you said uh, it is only by God's grace that we haven't had any confirmed mm-hmm. cases because we don't necessarily practice great hygiene here and, and social distancing as we should be. Um, I mean, we just don't stay in the house. Like that's what we're supposed yeah. to do is quarantine. And people are out visiting, you know, driving around, sneaking around the police, and you know, um, you know, like the police are. They, Every police officer is different. Rudy was in his yard, and they came home and said, "Get in the house." I think that's ridiculous. It's his yeah. yard. You can't, you can't make them. That's that's or the, di- the people across the street who don't have walls around their house, and they were just like sitting, with, which would be their dining room, but because they don't oh, have yeah. enclosed walls, they, they said go inside. And so basically, they sent them inside to their, to their like one room, bedroom, yeah. And they, but they don't have anywhere else to go. So it's just, that's absurd. I, I, I don't. I'm not following that. It's my yard. I'm, I can be in my yard, but yeah. I. It, but go bother the people who are downtown, like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't know, walking around, riding two by two on a motorcycle and stuff like that. Because that's where it spreads. It's not going to spread by me being in my backyard, mm. digging a hole in my garden or whatever. You know, that's not, <laughs> it's, that's literally what we're supposed to be doing is by yourself, isolated from the mass population or whatever. Or is that what, yeah. Anyways, it's general population, is that, a, that's not a prison term. <laughs> Anyways. So yeah, that's the, I, I'm, again, I, I'm I'm super. It doesn't make it go away, but I'm kind of tired of the whole thing, you know. Um, so I don't want, like to spend a lot of time on the podcast talking about. However, I, we you know we've been kind of updating people little by little, and so you, they just keep you updated on what's going on here and, and kind of how to pray too for um, for us, just as the rest of the world. Hopefully, that you're already praying. And so um, yeah, so that's that, and we'll see how this week goes. This is supposed to be our last week in in um, quarantine, but that is. Definitely not going to happen. Um, I think tomorrow on was supposed to be our last week, right? Like tomorrow, a week from tomorrow hmm. was supposed to be our last day. And that's, yeah, that's definitely not going to happen. Um, and Bolivia is, is basically is facing, what is it called? Uh, bankruptcy. I don't know if a country goes bankrupt. I don't know what the proper term is when, when a country literally just ha- doesn't have. Again, just like the rest of the world, but you see the impact a little more here. People don't have, you know was it nest eggs or whatever they're called here to sit sit on or whatever so some people already don't have food and such and then 
we're just not getting cases here. And I don't know. So the future on paper doesn't look too exciting for Bolivia. But we'll see. Oh, we'll see. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just don't know. You know, and that's the problem is you just don't know. And that's, I guess, where all the conspiracy theories and stuff come in is because no one knows and everyone's guessing. Yeah. And so even professionals are guessing, right? Like, first, it doesn't affect kids and young people. <laughs> a month later, everybody put a mask on, you know, mm-hmm. like, and so it's, you, it, no one knows. And that, I guess that's probably the, the toughest part about all this. Yeah, so before I wasn't too, too concerned because, you know, of the news that um, healthier people are at least at risk, you'll just experience, like, flu-like symptoms, and that's it. Um, but yesterday I read a little five-year-old girl died from the coronavirus. Yeah. And so it's just like before I was allowing our girls to go, you know, go play with her friend because their friend is where, you know, she doesn't go anywhere. So I know that she's not exposing herself. But but now it's just like, well, the kids, if kids can suffer from this, too, it's like the friend who lived next door. You should clarify. Yeah. That. Or next door. That's she's always over our house and the girls are always over their house. Um, but, yeah, we just that just all needs to needs to stop. Ooh, I mean, we have a neighbor that. And I mean, this is really the thing, because none of us really leave. I mean, you we go buy our stuff, but we're all super, you know, about cleaning and whatever. But we have a neighbor who is, he works for the city, and he's been going out um, every day. And then, you know, like, I, I, to, I, to, I did tell him, like, a few days ago, I was like, hey, you know, just be, be cautious about your interactions with, you know, with people or whatever, because he comes back, like, because you'll see, uh, and not not touching, everybody's been super conscious about not touching and stuff, but... You know, people interact again with your next door neighbor and such. You know, you'll talk and whatever, and and um. But he's been the only one leaving the neighborhood and coming back, and mm-hmm. so it's like, hey, be cautious. And you know, the comments are always, you know, well, there's no confirmed cases here. Well, confirmed is the key word there, and you know, but it, you know, and so now definitely super cautious with him. I feel bad for him because you know we love him and stuff, yeah. but like, and it's not being afraid of him. It's just you know we don't want it to spread. You know, like. He must have listened because he came to the door the other day with a mask on his face, like even after he hopped off the motorcycle and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, now he's probably going to be terrified to go out and go to work and stuff, which I don't know. The thing, the whole thing just stinks. Like nobody's, unless somebody consciously know they have it and they're out hugging people and all that, like uh, it's nobody's fault, right? Like yeah. you, it just, it's just a bad situation that no one's ever faced before and don't really know how to navigate. Again, all of us have theories, all of us. And, some even countries have theories, and some of those <laughs> have been proven to not not work. And then I don't know. So it's just tough time. We lean on Jesus like we should have been doing before. But anyways, times like this serve to push us closer to where we should have been in the first place, and just remind us where our hope is and who we depend on. So, anyways, want to get to today's topic at some point and not talk about the virus anymore because we'll be talking about that all week and all day every day and reading about it all day every day like we do all day every day so and you too listener uh so anyways what we want to talk about today is um what does it mean to serve well in terms of missions obviously and um what does that look like what does it mean um you know because we've talked about before how people there's this weird um not idea but this weird kind of feeling when people leave they kind of leave with their heads down, like, you know, like they failed. And it's not because of what they did or didn't. Maybe sometimes it is what they did or didn't do. It's because they're not serving anymore. And so I I think people feel like coming to an end means not serving well. And that's, that's obviously not true. You know, 
<clears throat> and so, um, yeah. Um, so yeah, what does it mean to serve well? I mean, this is a bigger conversation, but just kind of. I, um, I remember growing, not growing up cause I didn't grow up in the church, but you know, as a teenager onward, um, one big thing that was really taught was that, um, serving is how you received your blessing. And so I think for um, a lot of years, we were taught to to give everything, everything you had, like tirelessly to the point where, you know, you can't give any anything else because that was you serving unto the Lord and giving him your all and your best. It didn't have, I mean, I'm sure that maybe it was preached on that your relationship with Christ is how, you know, is how you and your dependence on him and your faith is how, um, belief in him is how salvation comes, but, but it was portrayed as an impressionable teenager, you know, that this is, this is how you get closer to the Lord. And so, you know, you end up spending all your time at church, um, never really experiencing life outside of church. And, um, and it's tiresome and it breaks some families up, you know, and some people can't even get started on their own families because they don't have any, you know, they're never, um, relating with people outside of those walls. And so it was, um, I had a really messed up ideology of servanthood. Um, but I think now, um, just maturing a little bit, reading the word on your, my own, and, and also seeing how other people serve, and I think that serving is, it's like, it's life, you know? it. You, you do it obviously to help the church and to help the people in the church but when you do it it's like it's like food for your soul you know and so um i love i love serving even when it's not on a long-term basis somebody has a need and you want to serve them um obviously it's a blessing to them it's a form of giving um as we're instructed to do but also it just it makes you feel alive it makes you feel I wouldn't say useful because you are always useful. You know, you have your identity doesn't come from that, but it it just it just feels good. Like I said, yeah. I think um, like I think a lot of like a lot of our ideas or bad ideas come from either bad teaching of scripture or misunderstanding of scripture. And I think what you're talking about comes from um, just misunderstanding. Faith without works is dead. Yeah. And sometimes it's not even misunderstanding. Sometimes it's the abuse of. Um, you know, I've been in churches where they've used that to force you to volunteer, not to recruit volunteers, but to make you, to guilt you into volunteering, you know, mm. it's like, Hey, you know, we need help. Everybody should be volunteering because faith without works is dead. And so mm. people are trying to work to prove their faith mm -hmm. and that's earning salvation. And that's not a grace based salvation, which is what we believe in. That's not, that's me, you know, winning something from God when the whole reason for God to come is because you couldn't save yourself. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it, it's, it, it's false doctrine at the roots of it. Maybe that's not the intent, but it turns, it turns into that once that seed is planted inside of you and it gets its roots inside of your belief system or whatever. And now you're starting to work to try to earn your salvation, mm -hmm. which is, I mean, it's pretty disrespectful to Jesus, you know, <laughs> like, like what he did for us and he did it, you know, no, because we couldn't do it, took our place and all this other stuff not because we earned it, but because that's what he, so I think we believe a lot of times that Jesus on the cross is a reaction to our service and not our service as a reaction to what Jesus did on the cross. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, in Romans 1, 16, it talks about, I'm unashamed of the gospel. And it talks about how 
Good grief. I don't know what I had something in my mouth, I guess. I don't know. It has the power to transform. And if this transforms you, and that's what it's referring to, is it transforms you into a servant. What he did, the power of the, the, power of the gospel, the power of, you know, uh, Jesus' sacrifice, his perfect sacrifice and conquering sin and death in the grave and, you know, whatever, um, is what it, it transforms us. And it doesn't say, you know, what we do transforms him. That's not, that's, that's a us-centered thing. And so I think when we read that, we're, we're understanding, like, I need to earn my salvation and earn my keep in the church. When that's not necessarily true, because um, works is not limited to what you do in the organization of the, of the church. Anyway, as a matter of fact, that's a, another terrible mentality, which creates the idea that you can live a certain way on Sunday and live a certain way on, live a different way on Monday or Saturday or whatever, you know. Yeah. And so it really compartmentalizes your, your life and the things that, the way that you live it, you know. And so uh, when I'm at church, I do this. When I'm at work, I do this. When I'm with my family, I do this. And, and But when we're transformed by the gospel, that's something that goes from beginning to end of our lives. So we are, we serve our families. We serve our husbands and wives. We serve our children we serve, you know, um, oh, we do serve our churches. We serve our communities. We serve our neighbors. We serve our enemies. We serve our bosses. We serve our good bosses, bad bosses, coworkers, so on and so forth. So, that, you know, we are um, people who serve in every aspect, you know, of life. And I think just understanding that the works that he's referring to is, is really loving one another and, mm-hmm. and loving um, loving God, obviously, and loving people, essentially, mm-hmm. is what, that's what, you know, we put it into terms that we use often. Um because he's talking about the law of love that he's he refers to earlier in James or whatever, and so he's talking about the. But he's not saying to do works so that you can prove your faith. He's saying that you can tell if your faith is true based on your works, based on the fruit. It's, we use an example at church. I think we preached on this a long time ago. If you look at a tree, um, some people can tell by the leaves or whatever. But if a tree doesn't have leaves or anything, most people can't tell what it is. Because leaves, even though, you know, if it's an apple tree, you can still tell it by its leaves sometimes if you know that. But if you don't know that, you can tell by its fruit. You can always tell. Yes. Uh, orange tree, orange tree, orange tree, good grief, somebody take over. I can't talk today. <laughs> an orange tree will never produce apples. You know, an apple tree will never produce grapefruits or grapes or watermelons. That's just, that it, will, it will not. So there's, there's no mistaking what a tree is when you see the fruit on it. Mm-hmm. No mistaking it. And whether you can say all oh, the leaves, you can be technical, because there's always that one person, well, I can tell grapefruit, <laughs> you know. But even with, with those leaves and stuff, um, you, can't, you, you can't tell what it is and, until it bears fruit. You can believe that it's something. You can think that it's something. You can, you can be sure that it's something, but until it bears fruit, it's not. An, and that's what makes an apple tree an apple tree. That's why we call it that, is it produces apples. And so if it's even if it's not doing that, it can look like an apple tree and it may be scientifically an apple tree, but it's useless because the purpose of an apple tree is to produce apples. And so if it's not serving its purpose, then it's not. I mean, scientifically, it's still an apple tree, but it's not really what's the use. And so, you know, I think true Christians bear fruit. In, in our works. And again, that's not a reminder for us to get up and get busy. Mm-hmm. That is it. But if we don't want to love our neighbors and when we struggle with that, we need to ask ourselves why and go back to the gospel instead of forcing ourselves to get up and trying to force ourselves to love people because loving people, uh, it, it, it's, it's um, practice and action. It comes out in action, but it starts in your heart. That's true love, right? We're not just talking about just that. So 
I think instead of trying to force people to get busy all the time, we yeah, get up, come. You need to come because faith without works is dead. Oh, your faith is dead. Like you know, mm-hmm. that's not. Or well, or you or you just look at them and say, man, she's falling away from the Lord. She's not. Yeah, because she doesn't want to be a deacon anymore. Yeah. You know, and that's not what. Just maybe she doesn't want to work. Maybe she doesn't want to work under you. You know, like maybe she doesn't mm-hmm. want to. You know. Uh, yeah, there's just so many different things, but our our job is to grow people, mm-hmm. and you know, um, and then you said something else too about I can't remember what it was, but I had a thought of our our to to send out as well. Like so, you know, we're starting to garden stuff in the back, and we collect seeds and stuff, and so you eat the fruit, and then you take the seed, the seed that came from a tree, and you plant that seed, and you produce another tree or whatever, mm-hmm. and that's I mean. Those are the collective works of the body of Christ as well. And so I think if you have a church that's not sending people out and they're just hoarding people, you made a reference to something. I can't remember like what it was. Like being in the church 24-7 and yeah, not yeah, being yeah. able to get out. Yeah, and, and not sending pe- Yeah, you're mm-hmm. not sending people out. If, it's just ch- if the church is just church service centered, mm-hmm. then I- I'm not sure that it's a church. And that's being revealed in times like this when we can't have church services. Yeah. There's a lot of people that don't know what to do. They have no idea what to do. Well, you can still start. I mean, <laughs> that should be a lifestyle that we do again, not a practice that we do on Sunday. But mm-hmm. that comes from just, you know, clear understanding of, of the scriptures and also, um, you know, not serving other people who manipulate that for their own good. Because mm-hmm. it's easy and it's tempting. Right. When I mean, let's go clean a lot off. And who's going to be there? It's going to be me, you, you, Rudy, Miguel and Miguel's kids and Carlos. and You know, we can name the people, so on and so forth. But then there's other people that won't come. I mean, you could say, oh, faith without work is dead. Get out here and clean this lot. You know what I mean? To prove your faith. And people will come out with their machetes mm-hmm. and <sighs> sweating. But it's because they're terrified of hell. Yeah, I think when, you know, the, the topic is to how do you know, how do you serve well? And I think that you know you're serving well when you don't feel the pressure mm. to do it. You don't feel like um, there's going to be a consequence if, if, if you don't do it. And that you're joyfully doing it, you know, like, like, you know, when you're giving well, you give yeah. well when you're joyful giving, you know, not hoarding it, not wanting to, not with a clenched hand, you know, like you don't want to let it go, but you know, you have to, or else there's going to be a punishment for it. You know, that's yeah. not giving well, that's not serving well. Serving well is to serve freely and happily, joyfully and um, willingly, you know. And I think service is, is more uh, as believers now, it's who we are more than what we do. It's not so. It's something that we do in everything. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's not something that we just pick up when it's convenient or when we can look cute or when the camera's on or when we're on stage or yeah. whatever. I think it has to become. And again, this is a process, a growing process, because you're constantly fighting your ego and your pride and whatever. And um, <laughs> or, or sometimes you just don't want to. Like when you see the water lady out there parched in the corner. You know? <laughs> no I'm kidding. But you know, I mean, it's 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 a struggle, right? But it's something yeah. that you you fight for. You don't fight to serve. You fight that notion inside of you that makes you think less of other people, you know, and, and, and that produces, right. That produces service to them. That produces uh, love and, you know, whatever. And so, so there, um, in Romans, Paul starts off one of the chapters saying that he's the slave to Christ Mm -hmm. and the, the, the word, a slave is a lot stronger than servant because Mm -hmm. a servant is, is someone that in our, in our, um, I guess understanding of the word servant is someone who wants to do it and a slave is someone who has no other choice. You have to do it, mm-hmm. you know? So how would you um, differentiate as believers? Like he is willingly saying this, you know, he's like, I'm a slave for Christ and I am about this. Like this is how I'm living and I'm loving this, you know? Yeah. 
I mean, he's, Paul says, like, it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives within me. So, I mean, he's essentially saying, it doesn't matter what I want. Like, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what this, it just, all that matters to me is what, what God wants. And just understanding my position in the, in the caste system or whatever, and it's not a caste system, but in the hierarchy, hierarchy mm-hmm. of, there really isn't one, but we believe there is one, right? And so I think a lot of times we see God as an equal. Um, it's a buddy, you know, God, we're, you know, he's our helper and God does help us, but he's not our little helper. He's not our little buddy mm-hmm. with the little cap with the helicopter thing on top, you know, like just a little mm-hmm. cute. We, we make God cute. And Paul is really going against that. And he's, he's saying, I am a slave, whatever you say, mm-hmm. whatever. You, Cause so you take that back and you connect it to Abraham. It's Abraham, right? I always confuse Abraham and Moses. He tells him to kill his son. Abraham. And Abraham's like, you know, he's thinking about it like, well. But he comes to the conclusion, God is trustworthy, and I'm, yeah, he's going to do something. He's going to bring him back to life. I don't know what he's going to do, but he's going to do something. So I'm going to do it because he's trustworthy. And that's what Paul is saying. It's like, you're worth putting all my eggs in one basket. So if you say, go drown yourself in the lake, I'll do it. Like, if you say, go and preach to, you know, people in Nineveh, I will do it. Jonah, you know, whatever. If you say, I, I will do anything you say, I'm literally a slave to you. And it, that the the irony is, is... His love for God compelled him to make, he made the claim that he's a slave. Mm-hmm. God wasn't like, hey, you need to be a slave. Like, it wasn't that. But he, he understood that. He put it in those terms. He's volunteering to be a slave. And that's trusting that your master is, a good, is good and he loves you and he cares for you. As opposed to, I think, and, and he, I, there's nothing wrong with using the term servant, just for the record. Mm-hmm. But I think that term, some, it doesn't, I don't want to say this like a blanket statement or like a theological belief. But that term can sometimes give us too much power, especially for what he's talking about right there. It gives us too much power. Like we work for a little wage and, you know, I'm a servant. Uh, when am I going to get my cut? You know, that's But Paul is saying I've been purchased with a price. You paid the price for me. So I belong to you. So anything you say goes. The, the least that I can give you is this life. This is my debt to you. Yeah, this kinda, is n- or... not, not my debt. This is you. Own, I mean, you don't. <laughs> he had a debt before and, and it was paid. Mm-hmm. So like he's. I mean, I guess in our terms, you would say indebted, but I don't like using that term because it goes back to I'm working it off, Having you know, to, yeah. and that's not what, you know, that's not what it is. Um, I, it's, it, I'm trying to think of like a way to say it without say, sounding one extreme or the other, but he, he, he does use, I mean, he's not, he's not accidentally putting that words. Like, I don't think after he sent the letter off, he's like, dang it, I should have put serve. <laughs> like I should put helper. Like, you know, that's not. <laughs> I don't think that's, you know, what he's saying, whatever. I think he's, you know, he's bent on people, the people, the Romans understanding that this is, uh, we are enslaved. So you think of any other slave and you think about their masters and whatever. It's not trustworthy. Some slaves had good masters or whatever, especially in that period. You know, slaves had rights sometimes, at least in the house, not in society, maybe. But they had whatever. But at the end of the day, like he owned you and he wasn't trustworthy. Why was he not trustworthy, though? Why was your owner not trustworthy? Because at any given moment, he can abuse you. He can, t- you know, because he's he's human. He's sinful. He's sinful nature. He's he's greedy. He fights with the same ego issues and issues and pride issues that we fight with. And so he's he's not trustworthy. He's unstable. But Paul is saying, I volunteer, kind of volunteer, right? Like to be a slave to you because you're trustworthy and you're good, and I know you have the best in mind for me. And the promises that you that you have for me are better than anything I could ever earn here on my own. Mm-hmm. And so I, the least I can give you is my life. It, it, and it's not a debt because Paul wins by doing that. A debt, sometimes it's, it sucks to pay it off. Like, you know, like, crap, I got to pay this debt off or whatever. It probably always sucks to pay it off. But, 
But this is like he and he's in, he's at peace and he's joyfully paying it off, you know. Yeah. Um, and because Romans five three through five, he talks about like whenever uh, same thing James wrote and Peter wrote as well. Like whenever trouble comes your way, count it all joy. Like this is regardless of what happens to me as a slave to Christ, I can count it all joy because I know what he has for me. Mm-hmm. And so this is he, he's giving me a reward for being like this is more than I could ever do for myself in my own life or whatever. So. I mean, he uses servant in other places and stuff like that. So it's not, again, not the idea of servant being a servant is bad, but there's a specific reason why, you know, a slave, like you said, is a very strong term, especially for us in, you know, in our society. Because we've seen, um, maybe in the world history, you've seen good slave owners, good slave masters. Again, in biblical times, you see different stuff, Onesimus and stuff, you know, stuff like that. Um, but more in recent t- times, obviously, in the United States specifically, you see what a bad slave master is and what he's capable of. And so they're all capable of that. And so they're not trustworthy. It's not trust. You don't enslave. And then the Bible even talks about debt and being because you're a slave to somebody when you're dead. Yeah. So it's a bad. It's a bad thing to be a slave mm-hmm. to someone. But God is so perfect and so good that it's a good thing to be a slave to him. And he completely turns culture on its head. He's the anti Every us, time. <laughs> you know, or he's the antithesis, I guess you should say, to what we are. And so. He's what we should put our trust in, not our boss, not our whatever. And so I'm a slave to Christ. I'm not a slave to um, my neighbor who I have a debt with or, you know, whatever. The Bible talks about debts and slavery and stuff a lot. And so, but I'm not enslaved to any of these things. I'm enslaved to Christ and Christ only. He's the only one that can control my future. He's the only one that can make me do whatever. He's, he, he owns me. Not, and again, I think it's Proverbs as well. It talks about if you have debt that you're enslaved to that person. They mm-hmm. own you or whatever. And he's saying that no one owns me but you, you know, yeah. I belong to you. And so, you know, that, I think that's why he uses that term as opposed to a, a servant. Again, I, I, th- he's not saying that anything is wrong with being a servant. No, that's I not, think because you said like there are many other times that that's, that yeah. term is used. I'm a servant of the yeah, Lord. And that's, of Christ. that's what we do. And we even chose the term as what does it mean to serve well, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Um. Um. So then to be a... To serve well, I'm trying to relate the two terms. Like, are they interchangeable? What, what slave and, and servant. Y- and yeah, slave. I, I, yeah. I mean, I think I think they're interchangeable. But I yeah. think when you say slave, you're making a specific, a specific, a str- you're making a strong statement. Mm-hmm. Like, go ahead. No, because because we were talking about you know doing this willfully and joyfully, um, and how you know you got to be careful when you're when you're leading a specifically a church to to grow volunteers and people who want to serve in the church and in the community by never making an obligation for them. Right. But then when, when we, when we show that Paul is saying, I'm a slave, he owns me. Um, the least I can do is, (laughs) is this, it kind of like becomes a little bit like you are obligated to do it. Yeah. I mean, you are, but it's not in the sense of earning. That's who you are. That's the expectation of who you are. If you are, um, I'm thinking in terms of nationality. If you are a citizen of the UK, you're required to drink tea, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I mean, like, there's, I'm, there's different things that you're, you, you have to have a passport. You have to, you have to follow the laws of that or whatever. And, and so I don't think that Simon, when he goes back home, he's thinking about breaking the law. That's just who he is. Mm-hmm. He's adapted the culture of the UK. So things that are bad are bad. Things that are good are good. Obviously, there's a Christian layer that supersedes that. But the things that don't contradict with, you know, biblical, what we believe or whatever, he is, you know, so if they, 
if if jaywalking, I don't know if you know what jaywalking is. It's when you cross the street in the way the places that aren't uh, designated for crossing the street. Mm-hmm. So if jaywalking is super frowned on in the UK, he's not going to do that. Even here, he would struggle with doing that. So that's who he, who he is, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same thing for us. Is like is when we belong to the kingdom of God, we adapt to the rules and regulations and expectations of the kingdom of God without saying, oh, but I can't cross the street in the wrong place. That's just what we do. It becomes who we are. And again, there's a process and we're, being, you know, the process of sanctification and all this stuff as well. We're growing into that, but that's ultimately who we become. And so we walk in this and it doesn't become, service is who we are. Yeah. It's not, so it doesn't become, you know, uh, oh, I got to remember, ah, oh, but I got to sign up Saturday. Otherwise, you know, I'm not going to, it's not what it, that's not what mm-hmm. it is. It's that he's shining a light on, on it's a, of who we're supposed to be in Christ and really of, of what Christ is, is transforming us into or what he's transformed us into is what, you know, this, so this is what, and this is, it's really, um, a litmus test for your own growth and your own dependency on Jesus. Is, is your, not your level of service. I don't like you saying it that way because, again, now you do have people that serve all the time and that are very far away from God. Mm-hmm. So you can't just narrow it down to that. But at the same time, this is what the people of God do. They serve. And, again, in church, yes, you definitely should serve your local church, belong to a local church. Those are, that's another conversation for another day. But I think those are also <laughs> expectations on the believer. Um, but... But also serving and being a part of the local church. Maybe not your first day, you don't know, or maybe as a new believer. That, but you, I mean, in our new members class that we're gonna have, if we ever get back to having church, maybe next. Honestly, realistically, maybe next year, which is absurd to me. Like you, you may not go to another. Like, anyways, it's not, um, we, we we will mention one of our expectations is that you eventually serve. We want everybody to serve. That's the expectations. And we don't, but we want to find the right place for you. We don't want you to, you better find somewhere and get to, you know, and yeah. the guy with no arms is, you know, never mind. Any, any, but you know what I mean? Like, it's, it, you put people in the wrong places, what I'm saying. Before I yeah, say something I ridiculously <laughs> insensitive, I was, wasn't thinking, sorry. Um, so, yeah, but anyways, like, you, you, you know, forcing people to do, the person that hate, hates kids shouldn't be leading kids' ministry. Yeah. The person that can't sing or, you know, shouldn't be, you know what I mean? Like that's a be- big one in church. Like we always feel like, well, if they're doing it unto the Lord. Let the baby sing. Like well, she's not a baby; she's yeah, thirty. She can sing, and from she's the back. horrible. <laughs> Nobody said don't sing. We just said don't sing in the microphone. Like that's what you know. But that's the mentality, though. It's uh, everybody just do anything and everything. Yeah. And it's hard to do it as unto the Lord when you don't have the, when that's not your gifted area. It doesn't build your confidence. It actually destroys it. Mm-hmm. And so now you're more timid in serving. The Lord. So it's our job. And this ties in with really holistic ministry. But that's another day. We'll talk about that. But it's you, you help people find their place and find what they're good at and find their giftings. And you kind of uh, set them loose on mission to be able to grow and become that. And their confidence builds in that. And the more their confidence builds, the more, the deeper they're going to get in, the more they're going to serve good. and the more they grow. Mm-hmm. And it's not just good for your church. It's good for them in life. And it's good for everybody in the community around you because now they're growing. So, uh, Lizvania, for example, she discovered that she loves working with kids. She wants to be a kindergarten teacher, some t- type of teacher now. And so her place is naturally working, serving with the children. But she did want to sing. And that got nipped in the butt. Because <laughs> this is not her, that's not her area. Yeah. That, like, I, my area is not working with kids. We, can't, we have to get over that where it's like everything is, oh, but just, hey, we don't want to hurt her feelings. Yeah. Of course, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But we want to see you succeed and, and, and prosper in the long run and flourish. That's the mm-hmm. word I was looking for. We want to see you flourish in life. And your voice is not good. 
that's just, I mean, those, those are conversations that we have to have. And that, I think, for in, not in the context of missions, cause this took a turn, obviously. It's your fault, Melinda. Okay. Um, but that's what serving well means, is, is using your gifts that you have and using them for the glory of, of the Lord. Now, there are times, especially in new church plants and stuff, where there's nobody to do kids, and there's a lot of kids, and we all hate kids, and I mean, we have to do something. You know, there are times for that. But if that's... That shouldn't be the long-term thing. We should be able to, hopefully we can grow into a place to where people can find their place and serve well. It's really hard for me to serve well as the children's church pastor if I, if I hate kids. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe God, oh, God's going to work on your heart. Maybe, maybe, but, but you know, I, like, maybe I'm a really good drummer and you have some dusty drums over there and you have me playing with the kids. Like, you, it's our job as a church to help people serve well, too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and so I think that's a, a part of it that, that we miss. Does that's that make good. sense? Yeah, that, that was good. I think another uh, key thing about serving well and this idea of serving well is when you are already an established, and when you are already an established server in the church, mm-hmm. I guess, uh, if you're doing things, you, it becomes easy to become... Like negative of everybody else because you look around you and not everyone else is doing the same things that you're doing so i think a key thing is to always check yourself when mm. when you are serving because so two examples one uh, from a friend and then one from myself but one from the friend is he was really really passionate about homeless outreach mm-hmm. at night um so he would go out he'd go with a small group at like one two o'clock in the morning they'll do homeless outreach but they'll also combine it with like nightclub outreach mm-hmm. so they'll see people who are drunk on the streets and help them get into taxis help them get home and things like that um i remember one day um uh, he did like an appeal out this was back in my uni day he did like an appeal out uh, to people um and he had like two people signed up out of 50 mm-hmm. or whatnot and like he was just furious <laughs> he was just like everyone should have signed up for this we should have had a 50 people yeah begging to come out every single night because this is what we're called to do as Christians. Yeah. Like we're all called to this ministry. And it's just like, I get what you're trying to say. Absolutely. Yeah, everyone should mm-hmm. want to help homeless people. Everyone should be concerned about the states of people going out and drinking and their, and their health and things like that. But not everyone is called to go out at two o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. and speak to drunk people on the street. Like yeah. Some people just aren't wired in that way. Some people yeah. are just petrified of going out at night because they don't know what's going to happen to them. Other people just aren't good at talking to drunk people because they've had no interaction with alcohol before yeah. at all. So you can't just cover everyone with a blanket and say, oh, I'm really passionate about this. That means mm. everyone in this room yeah. should be really passionate about it, which means everyone in this room should go out and do it mm. because that's just not... It's not going to be the case. You mm-hmm. know, you have to find, like you yeah. were saying, find the right people mm-hmm. and, do, and do the work with the right people you have. Um, and then the other example for like myself, for example, uh, I was part of a church plant. My dad planted the church. Mm-hmm. So I was part of that for eight years. Um, and we'd go in like every Sunday to obviously have to set the church up because we just rented a, a building um, and then we would set up each Sunday and then pack down. And I remember I'd go in like 9.30 and stack all the chairs out and like, at, f- at first you're like oh this is fine I and mean, then after a while you're like oh it's always me putting mm-hmm. out these chairs no one else serves in this church it's always me it's always me it's always me yeah. and that's like that's all it turned into every single week on a sunday <laughs> i wouldn't go Slam to church joyful i wouldn't serve joyfully yeah. i would just go and i'd, I'd put the chairs out angry because i'd be like this is ridiculous it's always me that has to put the chairs out no one else does it um you know, and I don't think that's serving well yeah. anymore when you reach that point <laughs> where you're now just doing it out of bitterness and anger and you're like, oh, I'm so much better than everyone else because I'm putting the chairs out. I'm here an hour early and everyone else just comes in and enjoys the service and I bet I'll have to put the chairs away afterwards. Um, <laughs> you right. like, Yeah, absolutely, 100% I have to. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, that's no longer serving well. 
because yeah. it's just it's just done out of business and, and not done out of joy. Yeah, every week yeah. the chairs were more crooked, every <laughs> yeah. week, no? like out of place, <laughs> slammed. Like, hey, how'd this leg get broken? Uh, uh-huh. I don't know. Somebody should have been helping me. That's what they could have. If you want to break, you would have complained about being broken. You should have took it out. I think a natural reaction to that would be like, well, he obviously is not doing this with the right heart. He needs to go on and sit down or quit. But it's the real issue is the heart, right? We mm. need to address what, what happened and, and why um, why the sudden change of heart towards serving. And that's the harder work. I, and I think it gets into where you feel like you, you go from serving to feel like you're doing somebody a favor. Mm. So the positions change, right? So yeah. it goes from a subservient position to a, sub, a superior position. So now, like, I'm doing them a favor, and they can't help me out. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody's confronted with that, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, because you start off like, oh, God's called me to the prayer ministry. I'm just called to prayer and walk around this building and pray. You know, everybody knows. And so they do that, but then, like you said, no one wants to support. Now, oh, these church, they don't even believe in God Cause they, because they don't want to support you. <laughs> but that's like, you know, that's we're a body, right? And there's, there's a reason that that example is used is because mm-hmm. it's like the hand who holds cups. There's a cup right here on the table is why I thought of that. The hand can hold cups. And so the hand is holding a cup and saying, foot, you should hold cups. Ears, you should hold cups. You're so stupid, ears, because you can't hold cups. I can hold cups and I can punch people and I can punch you or whatever, you know. And so, it, but it, it, that's not what, but then the ear can come back on the hand and be like, you can't hear anything. And the hand's, what? <laughs> He's so busy holding, like he can't, you know. But you, it, and, and it's under, now there is a, a, a layer of laziness that exists amongst Christians and we, Again, another subject for another day. But Christians, there are, there's a large number of Christians who are lazy, who don't want to really do anything or get involved. And honestly, where they see the need, somebody struggling or need for helping hand, or even um, they need to give that. But even there's a lot of people that don't even care to know what their strong suit is. Mm. So they don't want to get involved at all. So they just kind of become, and I, I think those are the people that we more get frustrated about, right? When, when you're serving and there's no help or whatever. However, just understanding that I'm serving, I'm doing this as unto the Lord. See, that's why, like, that's why uh, the verse says that is do all things as unto the Lord. Cause it knows that you're going to get into the place at one time when you're looking around and you see the person that you think you're serving is ungrateful to you or whatever. But if you do it as unto the Lord, the reaction doesn't matter because I'm not serving for your reaction. I'm serving for, I'm serving Jesus for what he already did. I'm serving not for what he's going to do, but what, what he's already done and what that means for me in the future. You know, yeah. I think if you, and it comes to compliments and being appreciated, pride comes in, right? Because I think if you live for the compliments, then anytime somebody criticizes you, they have complete power over you. And now you're a slave. It goes back to that, right? Now you're a slave to that person because now they're criticizing you and you, ah, I've been putting the chairs off for 10 years. Who do you think, you know, Mm -hmm. and whatever. And it just turns into a thing. But if you do it as unto the Lord, then it's like, it doesn't matter who shows up or who doesn't show up or whatever. I'm doing this. This is my service to Jesus. And it's even better because nobody sees it, Mm -hmm. which is more frustrating if we're being completely honest Mm -hmm. because you're doing it before everybody gets there and they come and sit down. People start moving the chairs to their own liking. It's frustrating. We, we put chairs out at our church, too. You guys did it old, lastly, but like we used to do it every week, you know? And it's like, you see, when you see people move a chair, it's offensive. Like, yeah, I put that chair down. Like, I just lined it up and made sure, you know, and whatever. But, like, just understanding that this is your service to people, and it's not seen. It goes to the verse we talked about thing last week. Uh, don't let your right hand see what your or with left hand, whatever. Mm-hmm. Don't let your hand see each other, what they're doing, basically. And, and it, it, it supposedly protects your pride when you serve in secret, but our pride is... A sneaky fella, and he still mm-hmm. finds a way to be angry and 
and frustrated and stuff. But even if, and I think, I mean, that's something I've adapted over the past few years. If I'm going to do something, be prepared to do it alone. Mm. That way you're not, you're not just going to, and so anybody that shows up to help is, it's, you know, something worth celebrating. Cause you don't like, you, you know what I mean? You don't, if you don't expect anybody, you're not going to be like, you understand that you're doing this and you're doing this as unto God. And that's in everything really, whether it, you know, regardless of what it is, whether it's cleaning something up or cutting grass or, you know, whatever. I don't know. I'm just dumb examples. Work-based stuff, church-based stuff, whatever. If I'm going to do this, I'm prepared to do it alone. And I'm not, I'm not having any expectations on people because this is, this is, an, a, this is my worship to Jesus. Again, regardless of whatever it is doing, I'm doing this unto the Lord. And so getting away from, and it's a very hard thing. It's a great example because I think I really think that everybody uh, struggles with that. Mm-hmm. Like in the first ten times, five times, three times, sometimes maybe it's all good. You're doing it, and then it's like and your mind just does this thing, and like you, you feel like people are capable of taking chairs out, mm-hmm. and they are. And so everybody should be doing it. You know, it's a very easy. And then you, <laughs> like, you go from taking chairs out to in your mind you're carrying the church, and nobody's helping <laughs> you. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Extreme, I mean? Right? but that, no, but that's that's how like that's how your mind works, right? It's like they couldn't even sit down if it wasn't for me. <laughs> Mabel's legs are bad, and she wouldn't even be able to. You know, like you just get into it goes deeper and deeper, and it, but it's just pride. You know, it's pride, and we it do things as unto the if we do things as unto the Lord, understanding that we are doing it in response to Him, and He's not doing something in response to us then we never feel like anyone's indebted to us because we realize that we're doing it a service. We're, we're slave to him. So if he says put out chairs, I'm going to put out chairs. And, and so that's where the servant-slave term can, because now I'm serving them. First of all, who's the object of your service? We are serving people, but ultimately we're serving. It's like Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. We're following Paul, but as long as we can see Jesus ahead of him. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same thing. We're serving people, literally, but at the end of the day, like we're doing it as unto the Lord. And so, you know, we, we, the middleman is, is in between of where I'm serving. So he, he reaps the benefit. But ultimately, this is unto the Lord. And it doesn't mean I'm not doing this for y'all. I'm doing it for Jesus. Like, that's not it either. You're missing the point if you do that. But, you know, you, it, like serving is unto the Lord. But people reap the benefits that we do because we love people. And again, just I guess the easy way to say it is not taking our eyes off the cross. Mm-hmm. Like rem, rem, of, of who's on the cross more specifically, of what he did for us. And everything that we do in life is a reaction to that, you know. Make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was making sure because, you know. <laughs> no, it's um, simpler than, <laughs> than what oh, it's it Simple, but hard, right? Like com- yeah. It's complex and difficult because we have this conversation and something happens and we got to go serve and then everybody leaves you by yourself. Mm-hmm. You're right back. You're right back to like, oh, they leave me by myself. I can't believe they, I, all the times I helped them. Like, you know, yeah. like that's really what you, you know, and in missions, I mean, kind of circling back to what we were supposed to be talking about in the beginning. But in missions, it comes back to that because you serve, serve, serve. And we talked about helping and when it's bad and when it's too much mm-hmm. or whatever. And that there is a place for that. But at the end of the day, understand when you, anything that you do, understand that it's unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. And if I think if you come here and you, you not just here, but you go on missions, whatever that looks like, urban missions, overseas missions, whatever. I think serving well, I mean, what did you go there for? Did you go there to make disciples? Yeah. Did you make disciples? Glory be to God. I mean, I think we over, you know what I mean? Overcomplicated or whatever. Mm-hmm. Did, did you make like legit disciples? Not just, you know, um, what are you here for? To love people. Did you love people? And maybe that's why we're upset sometimes we leave. Maybe we feel guilty that we didn't do what we felt. I don't know what we felt we were supposed to do or whatever. But did you serve well? Did you... 
I mean, whatever it is that you did, that you do it as unto the, the glory of God. Mm-hmm. But that includes in the missions aspect, that includes your family, includes other missionaries, includes mm-hmm. your whatever. We don't live in Bolivia, and I can't forget about Melinda and the girls because I'm serving people. You know what I mean? So I have to serve. I, I'm a Christian. So I, really, again, what we do over here is full-time focus, so there's a difference. But the attitude and the heart behind it shouldn't be any different in the way that I, you know, serve my kids or my family or whatever. Again, time things are different because you work out and whatever, you, you know, whatever. But you, do you love your family? Are you loving your family? Right, that's part of it as well, not just serving what you do for the community and whatever else. But also, do you love the community? Have you been serving the community? And how have you been, you know, how have you been doing? Again, it's, it goes back to the, we're not talking about works as far as our poor definition of faith without works. But we're talking about loving people and really uh, like disciple, making disciples, which is what we've been commanded to do and so on and so forth. Like, so what is it? Did you do that? Did you do that during your time? Did you, were you obedient to, to the call of Christ? Yes. Okay. Well, what's the problem? You know, what's the, then that, I, I think serving well in terms, in the aspect of missions can be boiled down to, it, it can be simplified. Again, it's not easy, but it is simple. Like, it may be you had goals to build, you know, a 16-story building, hospital, whatever, you know, with emergency rooms on the roof and a helicopter. Maybe you didn't accomplish that. But just because you didn't accomplish that doesn't mean you're a failure. You failed at your plans, but you succeeded at his plans. What are his plans? I've been trying to figure. His plans are you go into all the world and make disciples. Because you can disciple 100 people and... You can disciple 100 people, but you never got the hospital, but you're, just, you're still successful by, by, by God's standards, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it, it just I think putting everything in perspective of, you know, just belonging to him and taking – we can have extra plans. You can reach a lot of people with the hospital, and it's a great thing. I'm not saying it's bad at all. It's a great thing. But, again, everybody can't do that. But So what, how are we obedient to him and what he's called us to do? And let's make disciples of, you know, all nations or whatever, so – yeah, so it's like <clears throat> we can't have such a small idea, mindset of servanthood, but the idea of serving is so much bigger and so much more significant than what what we have in the past have learned it to be, you know, have thought that it was. So, I mean, like, I don't know, it's a good conversation. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Nope. It's a good example. Because th- we, we used to do homeless ministry and Coach Obama years back. And I don't think I ever got mad about it. Because we, we started off, there was like a, a good number of volunteers and it went down. And there was a girl that volunteered with us and she used to get furious. Like, people should care about the volunteers. In our city. And she, I mean, she care about the homeless of our city. And she's right, we should care about it. But that doesn't mean everybody has to be out there. You know, we should also care about the widow and the orphan and, you know, so on and so forth. And but we're, we didn't have a ministry doing that. Doesn't mean we don't care. Just you know, we were doing homeless stuff. And but that's the importance of having a body and belonging to a body. Is you can yeah. you can do so many things when you're working together. You know. Yeah. Going back to that story, they did actually come to a what I thought was a really nice, really good and powerful conclusion. Is um, you know he, he took some time to reflect, and it was like, okay. Not everyone is called to go out, but everyone should still should still care. And mm-hmm. so we need to provide something else where people can care. Mm-hmm. So instead he set up, um, they decided to leave slightly earlier, like they changed the time to leaving at like nine, nine o'clock in the evening yeah. or something like that. So that way, again, more people, more people might be interested if it's slightly earlier. But he also said, okay, what we're going to do is between nine and 10 or nine and 11, we're going to set up a prayer group that stays behind. Mm. And you can just drop in and drop out of that prayer group. Mm. But the idea was that 
people would go out on the street and then they would text back to this prayer group and then the people in the prayer group would be praying for the situations they go on at the same time. Really so cool. people who don't feel that they can go out onto the streets and meet drunk people mm-hmm. or meet homeless people or, or do that, they can still be part of it. But they can just be waiting back at, in the uni or something. Just they gathered in a room, they had a phone on the table and you know, someone would be like, oh, I just met James. James is homeless for six months. He yeah. wants this. Could you pray for this? I mean, that group would just spend those two hours Praying for, for that situation, and then when the new messages came in, they'd pray for the new ones as it's well. It's a really good idea, um, and it, yeah, it just it allowed opportunity for because it's exactly like that. Like people should care, people do care, and mm. you know, like I think a lot of the times, if you offer someone, "Hey, do you want to do a homeless outreach?" and they're like, "Oh no, I'm not sure about going out," and then you say, well, "Okay, well, do you want to pray for homeless outreach?" Like I think yeah. nine out of ten times they're going to be yeah. like, "Yeah, yeah, I, I want to be involved yeah. in that. I want to be involved in that." Yeah. So it's about finding other ways for people to serve and Absolutely. to be involved in ministries rather than just being that frontline warrior that you've called yourself and like, yeah. oh, because I'm this warrior, they should all be warriors as well. Yeah. Actually, we need, like the, you were saying with the body and saying, you know, okay, some people are just really good at praying for situations. So let's give them the opportunity to be yeah. able to pray for homeless ministry. Um, yeah, for sure. That, yeah, that's, uh, first, that's a really good idea, you know, mm. and there's like, you're right, there's more than one way to serve in the same area even mm. and like because and we did we did a blanket drive or whatever one time when it was like in the like winter air quotes you know whatever in Cochabamba and a lot of people gave blankets people that would never had never have gone out there at all but they gave that they found a place and missions is, is similar right mm-hmm. is I mean we want more people to go on the missions but that's just not everybody's not going to do it but everybody does have a command to be involved in missions on some mm. level whether that is uh, you know, like legitimately praying, not just emoji praying hands, but like legitimately, legit, legitimately, <laughs> I don't know why I can't talk, legitimately praying, you know, for whatever, for Simon and his ministry or, you know, whatever family in Kenya or, you know, whatever. Um, and then there's financial support and then there's the people that do visit and bring and take stuff. But then there's special projects like Lunta Reyes or whatever, like, you know, people. Like, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's all a team effort. Every area is a team effort. And we just got to find where you fit in, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but also as, as leaders, I think we have to present the opportunities for people to find a way to get involved without just packing up all their stuff and coming, you know. You can still support. You can still help. You can still pray. You can still, you know, whatever. It's a really good idea to have people back praying and stuff. So, yeah. So I think we haven't fully defined serving well, but I think we have a good idea <laughs> at least on the ministry side, maybe next time we'll talk about what it looks like in regular life. Mm. And we've touched on that, but we haven't talked much about it. We'll see. Maybe we'll just talk about something else if we're bored of this. <laughs> Figured out. I think we're good for the day, though, no? Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, this, I, I, I can f- kind of feel you trying to, like, say something. Just sit that microphone down, please. <laughs> I'm not a slave to you. Uh, I didn't say that. <laughs> I just asked you to. I asked you. <laughs> So anyways, thank you for listening. Um, we appreciate you guys um, listening to this. We appreciate your love and support. We're praying for you. Um, hopefully you're praying for us as well. And yeah, um, <laughs> like I never know how to end it, right? <laughs> anyways, provecho.